Hi guys, welcome to CLD Talks. I'm your host today, Ian Corbett, and we are delighted to sit down and talk with Nick Miller. Nick's a youth worker um, at Fair Scotland and is based in Kings Park Secondary School. Hi Nick, how you doing? How you doing, alright? Yeah, good, good, thanks. I suppose, like, uh, with all of these podcasts, um, the, the best place to start is, is with you um, and, and a bit about your background. So, mind telling us a wee bit about you, who you are, um, and before before we come on to, like, your current role in organisation, maybe a wee bit about your sort of work history or education and stuff that's led you to the role that you're in just now. Yep. Um, I'm originally from Castlemilk, uh, good wee working class boy, uh, came from, uh, like, Working class family, we were only rich, we were only like we had food in the fridge. Um, sometimes that was a piece of sugar, sometimes it wasn't. Um, and I, I, th- I think there was definitely t- times in my childhood that we struggled. Um, and I suppose looking back now as an adult and reflecting back on my family and all the things I've done since then, I was always going to end up here. Like I always was seeking, I was seeking as a young person somebody like me. And I didn't have them. So my journey's been to become that person that I wanted when I was a wee boy, I suppose. Um, but I, I, never, I went to, I came to King's Park Secondary School. Um, this, this is my high school that I work in, which is really, really weird. Uh, and I'm, I'm no academic at all. Like, uh, actually, it gives me the book a wee bit. Um, like, to sit down and do an essay. I'll do funding reports and whatever. But the idea of doing that for fun is, is no me. I'm, I'm outdoorsy. I like getting out and cuddling trees. Uh, so I came here, left in fourth year because school wasn't really offering me anything at all. Like when I was sitting down to to pick my day the choices for next year, it offered me nothing. So I really wanted to do uh, TV and film, become a cameraman actually. Um, so I went and did that. I went to North Glasgow College and studied that for a wee bit. Did like some technical theatre, uh, some lighting stuff, um, and loved it. But then they pursue it for some weird reason, and I don't know. I don't know the reason why. Um, so I ended up falling into that trap of I got a job in retail, um, and like became climbed that ladder, that retail ladder for years and years and years. Became management and really, really became quite depressed about it. Um, it got to the stage where I was like, "What am I doing with my life? I'm I'm making some American company. <laughs> I worked for Foot Locker at the time. Um, I'm making some American money, uh, company money, um, and being quite." like harsh with staff because they were only meeting sales that day and I was drinking a lot actually because I was just and I didn't realise it was only now when I look back I was like oh I was having a good time at the time no I wasn't I was I was depressed I, I wasn't happy waking up in the morning so I drank at night time just to kind of keep me ticking over I suppose um, and actually looking back and then I youth worked a lot of the younger staff in Foot Locker uh, which I didn't realise at the time I was just dead supportive with them and gave them advice and would catch up with them and stuff like that and that's what I do in my job now I suppose um, and then one of my pals, uh, Kieran Globell, he's a sign painter. He went and did a thing with Project Scotland, um, just some like volunteering to do an art project or whatever, and they paid you seventy quid a week to, to go. So when I made that decision that I was going to do something different, I just phoned Project Scotland. And actually, another kind of big name in the community world when I was younger was a guy called Mark Langdon. Um, and I used to go and do hill stuff with Mark Langdon, and he phoned me, and he, you know, he seen me, and he was like, you know, you'd be a really good youth worker. I never knew what youth work was. It didn't exist when I came to school, or there was no youth clubs in Crawford at the time, or Kings Park, or Castlemilk. Um, and then, so I phoned Project Scotland, and I was like, you know what? I, I fancy trying youth work. 
Uh, and they were, within like two days or something, they had me up in Temple Shaft and Youth Project over on the kind of the northwest of the city and kind of Knightswood area. Um, and I went there, and that was just that was like that was the golden moment. Like you know, sometimes I could have went wrong, and I wouldn't be here the new. But the people there and that organisation just still to this day, the person that hired me, she's my my role model. She's the person I look to. I still speak to her. I've, I've worked for her on loads of different organisations. Uh, and that was my my be all. That was my right, Gavin, are you shout out that because that's always nice to hear who we thought. Andrew Malloy, Angela Malloy, she's currently the um the manager over at Church House Youth Project in Brighton. Yeah, um, well. she's amazing, honestly, absolute angel on earth. Um, and as I say, I feel like anything I've done good in my career is because of stuff that she planted in me when I was younger. Um, so I big big shout out to Angie. Um. And I, so that was kind of, that was the start of it. That's where I'd go for like being depressed in retail and no really knowing what I was going to do to actually finding something that I was going to spend the next 16 years doing. Hopefully many, many more years. But at that time, I didn't know. I was like, oh, this is just a new thing. And then, boom, 16 years has passed like that with loads of things in between, obviously. Uh, I mean, there's loads of stuff there that, that even picked out. I mean, that story, a lot of that story could have been mine. I was exactly the same. MD that listens to this will know that. Um, a wee bit about my background, but the, the bits I talk about less probably is I also ended up doing technical theatre. Uh, my initial qualifications <laughs> were in performance and community theatre because it was it was youth theatre that kind of got me out of a misspent youth. I was a, a scallywag to say the least. <laughs> um, but partly because, and we'll get on to that conversation today, is that I couldn't process emotions and I was an angry wee guy. I was angry at the world and angry at uh, loads of things, but actually through theatre, I managed to um, sort of get some of that off my chest. And then moved into technical theatre because I thought, well, I'm, I'm never going to be uh, uh, Brad Pitt or Bruce Willis or something like that. So maybe I could do the lights. <laughs> so I done the same, and also have no reason for not pursuing it because I absolutely loved it, but just didn't, didn't do that. Also, a wee shout out there to Mark Langdon. I know Mark very well. Um, I've worked with Mark numerous times over the years, and um, uh, he's been he, he's a good guy. That he's done an episode. If you've not heard it already, then please tune in to Mark Langdon's episode, um, which I think was probably in maybe August or July or August of this year. Um, uh, so shout out to Mark. I've done quite a lot of work with Mark. I still see him. He's a good guy. Um, and Footlocker and also there's loads of alignment here. I'm actually a shoe collector. I've got a bit, well, <laughs> I, I sold quite a lot off, but I've got two hundred pair of trainers. Um, <laughs> and, definitely and, goes fast in. I, I, most likely um, over the years. I, I try and curtail it a wee bit now because I've got mouths to feed and whatever. But um, <laughs> I, I'm a, a big fan, a big fan of a pair of sneaks. So um, it's good to hear that as well. Tell us then a, a wee bit about so, sort of fair Scotland, where you are now, and a bit about your role at K Kings Park, if you don't mind. I so it was a, it's a complete different. I suppose youth work is youth work, but coming into the school, youth workers always dabble in school work, whether we come in and run workshops or jump in at playtime and break time to promote our clubs and that kind of thing. I think having a youth club and a school connection is a good thing in a community. Um, we can kind of all-round all support for the community. Um, so I'd done some school work before, but didn't realise that um, I was going to end up working in my old school. So I applied for the job, got it, um, and was pretty much given a blank canvas. They weren't sure... We're in, I think, fairs in 27 schools across Glasgow uh, with 40-odd workers in the school team. So every school runs a wee bit different. So Kings Park weren't really sure what they wanted from youth workers. There was two, there's two years in here. Uh, myself and my, my colleague Carly, she's absolutely amazing. Shout out to Carly as well. Um, so it was kind of up to us, I suppose, to kind of 
speak to young people, build relationships, see what was needed. Uh, and as well as doing that thing in your thought where you can add some stuff where folk haven't tried it. Like we, the big thing we do in school that I run in the morning is the cold water therapy stuff. Um, so every morning kids can come in between eight and half eight and have a, have a go and we've got cold water tubs. We've got seven in school just now and we're, they're in the garden and it's quite nice and we... Sometimes it's it's loud and we're laughing and we're splashing. Sometimes it's a bit meditative and they're just sitting chilling and it's just gentle chat, I suppose. Um, but I, I suppose the big thing we do is support. Like, loads of the teachers are here to get young people an education. Um, and sometimes with the tight schedules of a 50-minute lesson and their workload, they don't have the time to, to chase up young people who maybe they seen we're upset that day or they know that are struggling emotionally or whatever and that's when we step in so they'll kind of refer them to us uh, and we can hold one-to-ones or if there's a wee group going through stuff we'll try and put some group together and do a bit of group work um we're on a breakfast club obviously food is at the heart of all youth work um filled bellies make happy faces so that's we do that and, and every morning and on a friday night we do a youth club as well so we feed them toasties uh keep it nice and simple warm toasties and everybody's happy and then i suppose just again like youth workers are a bit of everything jack of all trades so anything the school needs we'll try and fill in so if the school needs a workshop put together for a specific reason we can do that if the school needs support taking young people to the science centre for the day, we go along and tag along that and be that kind of friendly face with young people. Loads of transition stuff, so what, what, working with the primary sevens coming up, um, again, so that they've got a friendly face when they come to school, they know they can come into your office and if they need a new blazer or trousers or some food for the day, we've, we're always kitted out with something that we can support that way. Um, and then there's the fun stuff of the holiday programmes. So we get a wee bit of money from the, the holiday hunger stuff. Um, so again, food being at the centre of it, but... Because of my passion for the outdoors, I suppose, I do loads of outdoor stuff with them. And it's it's kind of, it's kicked off. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but they, but they really like it. Uh, they like mountain biking, canoeing up at Pinkston. Uh, and we start everything fresh air Fridays. So we try and link in with the guys that do the cold water dipping in the morning. And then we take them out, do a wee hill walk, and that ends with a dip somewhere where it's like a lock somewhere or up the camp season, the waterfall. And I try and pull in nature in as much as I can. I think loads of the kids that get pushed away are kicking off because of that box that is the classroom and they can't kind of sit still. So I'm just like, well, let's go to the park. Mom will go and see them, we'll collect some leaves, and then we'll come back and draw them. And, and, and that kind of old youth thought technique of using nature as a, a door to a conversation. Um, so that's that's the rolling out. As I say, it's forever changing um, just with the needs of young people. Um, and we need to be adaptable to that. And I think we are. I think we're quite good at it. I know, absolutely. And like I've certainly been following for a distance the stuff that you guys have been doing. And um, it's... It, it's, it's things that most people are learning about in their 30s and going, actually, this really helps. So <laughs> having that conversation um, with young people um, at a much earlier age about how to sort of manage and regulate and, and, and understand their emotions, I think it's hugely important. I suppose that brings us on to the, 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 sort of the reason that we connected and then the reason that this podcast is taking place is that currently um, you are running a, a sort of campaign around mental health and, and men's mental health specifically. Um, and we had connected on Twitter a while back. I think we've been following each other. I don't know how long for, but um, yeah. certainly that, that's something that's close close to my heart. Um, having grown up like like you in a scheme and, and lost many pals along the way just because they weren't able to talk to somebody. Yeah. Um, it's it's important. It's hugely important. So do you want to tell us a wee bit about what what the campaign is, what the sort of motive from that is, and and what you're hoping to get get for what you're doing? Aye. So 
the initial idea is basically just getting positive male role models to do a video every day. So somebody new every day talking about their experience of mental health, um, if they're comfortable doing that. If not, then maybe just talking about the importance of talking about it and maybe some of their techniques that they use on a, a daily basis. And for me, it is a daily basis. I work on my mental health every day. Um, and and that's I, I try to keep it simple. I always find simple things work better than youth work. So a video a day for an entire month, and already the impact's been massive, like young people coming up. But Nick, I've watched the videos. And and today was a big day in school, so I was around getting loads of young people. They're going to, it's going to start to be in young people that are doing videos as well. So it, it's grown arms and legs, and I really like it. I'd like it to become a yearly thing that we do in school. Um, the motivation, I suppose, is the fact that it's like it's November, it's, it's Men's Mental Health Month, and it's something that's worth trying like put in through my work all the time. I work with loads of wee guys in the school who are angry who don't know how to process that emotion, who are lost because they're they're grieving um, or they're in care and they don't know what to do with that kind of that information and that life. And just trying to let them know that it's it's okay. And as grown-up males, we can lead that way by going, we've been there or we've experienced that certain thing. That And look at us, look where we are. And the variety of videos that are coming in from school teachers to youth workers to street artists to personal trainers that are going to come up in, in the future this month. And I just feel it's really important. Like you just said there, I've had many a family member commit suicide uh, just as recently as last year, and it's horrendous. And I'm still all over that stuff, never mind the stuff that young people are going through. So if by doing the campaign we can get one wee guy to come and talk to me rather than go home and end his life, then it's a massive success. Um, and hopefully by talking to people like you, Ian, and all the other folk that I'm asking for videos, that's already started a thing of them going, oh, maybe maybe that's something that we do in all the schools, maybe something that FAIR does every year, or maybe something that other youth projects take on, of just, let's get talking about it all the time. Let's just make it a normal thing where we're no shutting down we guys saying, oh, you're, oh, you're crying, you're, you're a wee lassie. You know what I mean? That's the kind of language that we use towards uh, young males um, of, like, try to put them down and, and quash that thing where they try and talk about their emotions. And that kind of West of Scotland's male thing, that toxic masculinity stuff you were speaking about as well. It's just, it's horrendous and it's it's time for a change for me, I suppose. Like, we need to get over it because too many people are dying and we can't continue this way, I suppose. No, absolutely. And I, I totally agree. I had a, a sort of light bulb moment I, for me earlier this year. I can't even remember exactly when it was, but No Knives Better Lives and Youth Link, um, Vicky Ridley, uh, shout out to Vicky. I ran a project called Imagine a Man. Um, if you've not seen Imagine a Man, um, please check out the resources on the, the No Nines Better Lives website. It's a, a great piece of work with a full toolkit to utilise. But the one one young guy um, stood up on the stage. He was from Royston Youth Action. Um, and I'll shout out to the guys up at Royston. And, and he stood up on a stage and he says, we're having loads of conversations about people like Andrew Tate and, and things like that and about toxic masculinity. Nobody's talking about what positive masculinity is and how I'd be a better man. And I think for me, that was like a, it was a light bulb moment, but it was also a call to action to go, wait a minute, we need to pull our socks up here. And I think it's like, part, part of the reason that, that, that I kind of was intrigued by what you were doing was one, absolutely mental health is huge and, and the suicide rates are, are far beyond what they, sh they should be. Um, yeah. But also like, your ability is, is to stand up and, and be counted and say actually it's all right to, to to talk and for me like mental health 
and being a positive man, isn't he? An overnight process, and I'm sure it's not for yourself. It's looking at the I'm a product of toxic masculinity. I grew up in a hyper masculine or hyper toxic masculine environment where violence was your only outlet. And I, yeah. I think like being frank about that and being vulnerable. And I, th I think that's what's really important about the work that you're doing is, is it's actually like, as adult men, mental health isn't something that we've completed. It's not something that we've conquered. <laughs> you, you said there that we're working on it every day. I'm exactly the same when you were mentioning about drinking every night. Um, and I know I've sent you the video, so I'm referring to a video that nobody will have seen you. Um, yeah, <laughs> every time the, the thing comes out. But I was exactly the same. My, my relationship, and actually a lot of people's relationships with alcohol was hugely unhealthy. I, I wasn't drinking every night, but I was going out on a Friday and drinking to a Sunday or a Monday, uh, and I was in tatters, physically and, and mentally. But that was normal. I wasn't unique in that position, do you know what I mean? I, nobody was looking at me and going, this guy needs help, because everybody around me was doing the same thing. And I think that that's where we are. There's, a, there's a, an intersection, I suppose, between tackling men's mental health and, and, and help people speak up and be supported and, 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 not, and not ending their life, but also... About identifying the people that they can look up to and the people that they can that they can model from and and actually sometimes I need to give myself a shake in the way to work when I'm in a stinky mood and and actually going there's people watching do you know what I mean and I think that's yeah. we're in a position where you give yourself a bit of responsibility in that space but but also you need to work on that yourself do you know what I mean and you yeah. need to bear that in mind that people are looking and and that sort of thing so what. What kind of things, um, obviously working in a school, you've got loads of contact with, with, with young people. What what has changed, either positively or negatively, for young people and the, the impact it has on their mental health? What I'm saying is, is you, you went to school, didn't they offer you, and, and you spoke already about maybe not feeling um, your best at that, at that point. Clearly young people are still going through that. Is it the same causes, or are there, are there different things driving um, the, the mental health issues that we've got just now? Now, for me, it's definitely, this, it's the same causes. Young people have the same stuff through poverty, mental health, alcohol, drug abuse, um, childhood trauma, kids in care. It's it's the stuff that happened when I was at school. It just seems, I suppose, that the addition of is the internet, social media, you can access so much more information. And a lot of the information that's pumped out there is negative. So young folk can find negative information a lot quicker than they can find positive information. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's that's a different challenge. But it, well, we're starting a process. I feel like we youth workers in school full time. This is the start of it. People keep going, what's the impact? What's the impact? I'm like, we've only been in school for a couple of years. I've been in this school for two years. And I feel like the impact's been big. But it's 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 a forever project. If you want it to work, it needs to be. It's years and years and years down the line. It's relationship building. And that's a challenge in itself because for some of them, you've only got them for four years because they leave in fourth year. I left in fourth year. Um, and so try to create that support, try to build something in the community that's a, that's an afterthought as well. So there's so many challenges in school of trying to merge a youth club or a, a youth worker in with education. Um, but the school are trying as well. So for me, that's the big change is our SLT and our head teacher support the work we do 100%. Nothing I could do in school would happen without their say-so. So like the funding for the cold water tubs, the ideas that I have and Carly has to go, can we do this? And they're like, yep, yeah, go for it, go try it. That's their backing. So they see the need for us in schools as well, which I think that needed that mental shift of schools are no weird education and kids need to sit in a class and learn maths and English and blah, 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 blah. They're starting to see, wait a minute, 
actually schools know for everybody. And we, rather than just let them drift through the net, we can bring folk in, like ourselves, Action for Children, the Duke of Edinburgh Award that we've got coming in, DYW, MCR, and try and support these young people who don't fit into this mould so that they can go out and be like happy in life and get the careers that they want and have families that they want and achieve everything that they want to achieve, but maybe didn't they get it in a classroom. Like, I loved doing English and maths when I went to college, but I hated it in school. And I don't know what that was. I don't know what the change was. So being able to see that schools know the be-all and end-all. But for me, the big change is that they're willing now. The door's open. So we're just at the start of that journey. And I feel like it's quite exciting. Um, we've got hundreds of things to learn and loads of places to grow into. And every school needs a youth worker, in my opinion. Primary school and secondary school. Get us in the nurses as well, I know. Um and let's and let's just support young people with every like, like let's get it right for all of them rather than just literally focus on the ones going use their achieving and we're going to get you to a destination a, a positive destination and tick a box not like see if somebody doesn't kill themselves and actually goes out and gets a job in farm foods and is funding their flat for me that's a positive because maybe six months ago they didn't want to be here or they're not being supported in the house do you know what I mean so it's I feel like I'm just at the start of this journey and it's, it's exciting, but it's. I feel like it's, it's definitely a hill. We're going up a hill, and it, but I'm quite excited about it. Absolutely. I, I, I like that when you say that it's a forever journey and we're just at the start. Someday, I can't actually remember who said it and it stuck with me. I was in a funding meeting one day and the funder was asking about outcomes and the person says, you want to see the ripples, but I've only just threw the stone. And it, for me, it was exactly what you just said there. Is is like this isn't it about what the outcomes are right now because we're just starting right. to have the conversation. And I, I think well, what, I think you're right. Um, and again, another one. About, sorry. So what's funny about you saying that is when I went to that first job, eventually my first my first full time funder was the Rank Foundation. Yep. So the Rank Foundation's motto is Pebble in the Pond. So. Rank or the pebble, they drop the pebble and then we create that we're the ripples. So now I've took that and all, all my jobs of like, I'm this pebble and if I can like create wee ripples of young people that go out and if I'm kind to them and say hello to them every morning, maybe they start being kind to the next person that they meet and it's all these wee ripples that happen and we feed a family and that family next time helps their neighbour when their neighbour's struggling and it's all this and I love that idea of just being a, like ripples carrying on. I know, absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's nothing better than when you see it. Like, I love, it's a few years now, but I remember the first time seeing a young person I'd worked with going for a volunteer position um, today volunteering with, with, with children in the early years. And be, that was the first time I ever really, I, I'm probably more attuned now where I can see the, the nuance and the, the weird things. That, but at that point, I was fairly new to this sort of game. And it, like, honestly, that was, the, that was the first ripple. It was almost a wave, I would, I would argue. But it was the first time I ever seen it. And I was, yeah. I was pretty proud, so... That leads me nicely onto sort of the proudest moments that you've had in, in, in your career in youth work. What's or, or highlights? Maybe not the proudest moments, but what's the sort of highlights for you in your in your, your journey? Like, I've literally got tens of thousands of them. I, I say this to young people in the school. I think I feel so privileged to be in this job. I'm, I'm one of the people who you fucked my passion. It's it's my job as well, but it's my passion. And that's why I, I juggle about five youth work jobs because I just, I love it. I love immersing myself in it. Um, so I've got so many um, from like one of the young people that I, I did their Gold Duke of Edinburgh way and then kind of supported through that is now one of the lecturers at Kelvin College delivering the outdoor course. Uh, another young person who I took up hill walking for the first time and then developed those outdoor skills is now one of the 
um, the instructors at Pinkston Water Sports Centre. So, so when I meet these people and they're like, oh, Nick, or when I get an invitation to their wedding or the, they message me saying they've had a baby, these are big things in my life because I watched them from when they were younger. But I suppose for me, other things, like and to, even to recently, of like supporting young, th- young people through, and I've had so many through really, really dark times, like where they, there is no hope in their life. And I get to be that part of that journey going, I know with a wee bit of work they can get to the end of this tunnel and literally come out the other end. If if I'm here, I'm not going to let it go. I'm with them the whole journey. And then when they get there, that, see that sigh of relief for me of just going, thank God, and watching the thing, the work that I've put in place, whether it's helping them build friendships or what, getting them out the house a bit more and stuff like that, where they're, they're not isolated anymore. For me, I've, I've got tens of thousands of these stories and every single one of them, makes me want to greet every single time I think about it. And I've got loads of young people that I meet for the own and they're like, thanks very much, Nick. Or they'll leave me a letter or they'll write to me or something like that. And I, I there's far too many. And I suppose, no, I got told at the start of my journey in youth work that I might never see any of the impact of the work I do. And I took that as a, a quite a literal thing of like, it's like, you might work with a young person, they vanish. And then the things that you've put in place, the seeds you've planted come to fruition in 10 years, 20 years when you don't see them. That has been the opposite for me. I've been able to be part of these young people's lives to a degree where I've seen things change and I've been part of all these journeys. So I felt dead, dead lucky. Um, but I, the, the seeing the ones who I suppose were, were younger, a bit lost, seeing them now absolutely thrive, as uh, is, is I get a big buzz. It's a buzz that keeps me going, I suppose. Definitely. And I don't doubt that that, that thing, that analogy you gave there about no seeing things is also true. You're seeing Aye. those tens of thousands of wee, wee things, but there'll be all those other wee seedlings that you're planted that are also coming to fruition, and I think that's always good to remember as well. And it's always easier as well when you're talking to somebody else and going, remember that, remember that, you'll always remember it yourself. <laughs> um, I also like that when you said that it's not, it's not just a job, and I think well, having worked in youth work and having worked with loads of different organisations, but also doing this podcast, I think one of the things for me about about community learning development but and youth work in particular is is like people come into this because they're just oozing love and compassion do you know what I mean so like there's no many people come into this as like a 95 everybody does this because they care and because they want to be there and I think that's one which makes um which makes it so exciting and it's why youth workers have the reputation of, of having these strong relationships part of that is youth work but part of that is the people that youth work attracts I think yeah. I also think that's exploited, um, and that's a different conversation for a different day. But I think <laughs> we, we go over above and beyond, um, which maybe yeah. means that we do more than we're paid for sometimes, but um, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, so the, other, the, the flip side then is, is obviously working with young people is, is hugely rewarding. It's, it's beneficial, and you, you get to see a lot of um, the seeds that you planted growing into, into mighty oaks to be a bit cheesy there, but... <laughs> Having done the job and, and still doing the job and, and whatever, it's not always easy. Um, and and ended it works with young people will tell you that it's not always easy. So what, what do you think, sort of, thinking about your role now or historically, the, the sort of bigger challenges in, in the, the job are? I think de- definitely at the moment, it, it's a big thing. And it's, it's something I'd feel you fuckers don't like to talk about, but we're paid crap. Like, the money's rotten. Um, and we're watching school teachers and the fire begin, all amazing jobs get 10%, 7% pay rises. We don't get that. We don't go and strike for better pay. We work in the charity sector. Um, and it's a, it's a struggle. I, I know youth workers who access food banks. Uh, I, I, like I said earlier, I've got four jobs. 
like I work, and, and no doubt necessarily do it for the money. I do it because I, I love it, but the money definitely helps me because the money I get from a full time job is not the best in the world, and that, it's good for youth work. But it's no, it's no what you're going to get to pull people in who don't have that passion because we're driven by the passion, not by the wages. Um, and maybe that's that's a good thing as well to a degree because we're not here to, to, for money, but. I think that's a struggle when you're worrying about you're supporting families, but you're also worrying how am I paying my bills and how am I buying my lecky and my gas and is there food in my fridge? And that could, that's, that's hard because we're dealing with hard things all day. Well, for, for me, I could be sitting with doing five, six, one to ones a day, listening to young people's issues and get child protection issues and disclosures, and that that's heavy. And then have my own issues and tap it. It's, it's, it's hard, man. And I like that like that thing that's saying it's you can't pour for an empty cup and. That, that goes back to why I do cold water therapy and it's why I have such a tight-knit friendship group where I support them and they support me and we go hill walking together. And I've learned all this stuff about myself because if I didn't, I would 100% have been burnt out by now because it's, it's a burnout type of job. Like you just said, you go above and beyond and I work 15-hour days every day and it gets to the weekend and I'm shattered and it flies by too quickly and I'm back in the Monday and I've got to have that energy and that be ready again to support young people and, and like I said I love my job but for me that, that's a big challenge is we need to match that way what's happening in society people are struggling so like wages have got to go up and the government have got to fund it and funders have got to tag in and be like you know what we're going to give you three years of funding rather than one this one year rolling funding it doesn't work anymore like folk need security to back, pay their mortgages and just be secure for their families so let's let's value is it's looking at youth work's value and youth workers value of going let us feel valued because we're already doing that good work don't don't exploit us because we're doing the work already uh no i, I totally agree and i think again anybody that listens to the podcast will be sick of listening to me talking about this but <laughs> I, I think i think you're right i think we've, we've we've got a funding model currently which races people to the bottom which pitches people against each other for the same money and the result is is that organizations need to commit to doing more for less though um to, just to keep keep their organizations afloat and I think what you said there is right as well about um, anybody that's listening and, and is interested in the conversation about the sort of mental health and well-being of youth workers. That then last week's episode um, with Alison Nicaraga and Andy Reynolds, the conversation exactly about that about the sort of mental health support that's offered by youth workers. Um, but but if you are a, a counsellor, uh, like a mental health counsellor, you would have supervisions in place um, to make sure that your mental health is protected, whereas often youth workers are the people who get those dis- child protection disclosures and stuff. And really, the, the, the support that's there is, is limited. Uh, it'll vary, obviously, with organisation to organisation. But actually, who's, you can't pull off an empty cup, but who's helping the helpers as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and recognising that actually... This isn't a job that anyone can do. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, this isn't. I was just playing pool every week and, and doing things. Actually, what I would love to see is for it to be quantified to see how much are we supporting mental health services? How much are we reducing crime statistics? Yeah. How much are we keeping young people in education? How many people, young people are going to access further education because of youth workers when school wasn't right for them, like you said, in that, that box of the classroom? And I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's a conversation that we need to be having more. Um, I had actually tweeted one of YouthLink's things today. Youth, YouthLink, right now, if anybody's interested, they've got a big campaign, hashtag invest in youth work. One of their statistics is that for one pound spent on youth work, there's a seven pound return on social value. 
invest in youth what makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If we stop supporting young people, even just the two of us as, as two individuals stopped delivering youth work, the CAMS waiting list would be significantly higher. Yeah. If you took every youth worker out, you said I think 27 schools, fair I've got. If you took youth workers out of every one of those schools, it would buckle very, very quickly, the mental health provisions that are there, that are already years and um, years of backlog. So I think it's, uh, uh, you're right, uh, I don't want to get too political and radical and, uh, <laughs> as we get towards the end, but we, we, right now we, we don't have the ability to, we, we don't have proper regulation, we don't have, we're not unionised and, and actually there's no enough protections there and I think I'm glad you raised that as a challenge because for me it's, it is the challenge of being a yeah. youth worker. It's not the young people, it's actually a system that exploits the work that goes on. Um, and I think that conversation has been had, but until people start listening and more people start keep voicing that as a challenge, then yeah, it's going to remain the same, if not get get worse. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, you know, talk, talking about that, then, where do you think youth work is? But where's what's youth work as a sector? Where's its place in society? What's it what's it doing, and, and maybe what's it not doing? I think the, the organisations that I know, and I and I get a bit Glasgow. Like I work, I've worked for a lot of places, and I currently work for a lot of places from Castlemilk to Govan, um, and even doing where I stay in Lockwinock. Um I think we're doing the right stuff. The, we've always done the right stuff. We've always been constant in communities. For me, that's what it is: consistency, being there for people, and being seen by people, so that people know we're there. What, what the big challenge is is we're getting constantly pulled away fighting for funding or fighting for territory or whatever it is that what it's stopping us doing our general work, the basic work of being on the ground working with people. Um, and whether that's the, the government that's in with funding or whether that's just years and years of being of cuts and fighting barriers and fighting like councillors to, to make better. Um, like the whole, we used to, and when I worked for the barn, we used to always talk about when the community fought for the dampness and the gorbals back in the fifties. And for me, all we do is fight, and it's exhausting. And I think being able to sit back and know that there's money there and support there from the government and the local councillors, and just allowing us to do our job, is is what we need. Um, and. That is near what's happening with every organisation. What well, there's organisations shutting down left, right, and centre from like Blue Vale. Um, if you look at like Urban Fox, only doing much work just now. All these things that are that are stopping organisations doing that work, and only people that suffer are well, one the workers, but to the community. But there's huge areas you talked about. I used to work for Royston Youth Faction, and they're the only organisation, but you uh, like youth provision in that area, and they do amazing work. But they're fighting for funding and a, a new building and a minibus, and they shouldn't have to fight for that. Your all your energy should be put into working with your community. That's the stuff that should come easy. Do you know what I mean? And it's 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 upside down for me. Um, so I think the right people are in the right places. It's just what we're, we're, we're constantly we're constantly battling, and that needs to stop. And I don't know if it will or how it will, um, but. For people I speak about in the bubble that I'm in, with people like yourself and all the organisations that I speak to, there's so much good work happening. Um, I suppose the big thing is we never we never really advertise ourselves well as, as youth workers. We don't highlight um, the, the good work that we're doing. And that's maybe... And then people like that when you highlight the work. We're quite good at it, fair, of being on Twitter. And that the funders like that. 
but why are we pandering to funders? Do you know what I mean? Funders should be like, there's the money, here's your report at the end, or come and see us, come and see us, funders, come out. The amount of times I begged funders to come out and get involved in a youth club, and it's like, no, I just said there's a report in a couple of 40s, and I'm like, well, you're missing the point here. Come and feel the vibe in the youth club at the next time, and I know that was a wee bit of a ramble, but... Um... No, you're right, you're right, like, I mean... I mean, I think you're right. <laughs> Maybe there are a few <laughs> points out there and we try and remain as, as impartial as possible, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, just conscious of time, um, we end every CLD podcast, CLD Talks podcast, sorry, with the same question. So thinking about somebody who's maybe new to youth work or thinking about starting in youth work or, or wider community development work, what, what advice would you give to them if they're about to start this journey? It, do it all. Do everything, everything you're offered in youth work, do. If you're offered a training session every night, even if it's no paid, go do it. Like, I worked nine, to, nine in the morning and nine at night when I first started youth work because I loved it and the opportunities that it opened for me. Um, even if you don't think you like it, from circus skills to outdoor learning, just go do it, go try it. You don't know what you're going to do. So immerse yourself in whatever your passion is and see if it's not your passion, Go find what your passion is and and follow that route um, and get out. You know, um, like, that would be my advice to somebody coming up. Superb, Nick. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think we could have spoke for another another three hours, but there's, <laughs> there's time constraints on us at, at the moment. So, thank you, um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for the project um, that you're running right now about men's mental health. Keep um, an eye out on on Nick Nick Fair's, um Twitter to see what's going on there and in, in, in the videos that he's sharing. Anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Uh, no, that's perfect, Dean. Thank you. You can also follow me on TikTok, Nick.Fair as well. <laughs> Superb. Thanks very much. We'll go we'll add all your um, social media into the, the post anyway. But cheers, Nick. Good Thank man. you.